We're in a, the middle of a, a series right now, but, but it's part of our theme this year of committed, that in response to the God who committed all to our salvation, we commit all to Him, to His glory, to His cause, and to His people. We've been talking this month about following Jesus. We've been looking at some of the follow me passages in the gospel account of Matthew, what it means to be disciples of Jesus. Now, I hope that as we've looked at this, you've allowed yourself to really take seriously some of the things that Jesus is saying. Because if we're honest, I think that what Jesus is saying about real discipleship, it will turn on its head what we tend to think about Christianity, won't it? What we tend to think about what it means to be a Christian, what Jesus is saying here challenges our typical thinking to the core, doesn't it? Because I know that I've been guilty, many of us have been guilty of reducing Christianity to a mere shadow of what Jesus taught and what his apostles taught. We, we, we tend to reduce Christianity to five steps and then go to church every week. And we tend to reduce Christianity to a part of our life, compartmentalizing our life, saying, you know, this is the Christian part of my life. You know, I go to church on Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I, I have the work part of my life. And then I go home from work and I have the family part of my life. And we tend to think about Christianity like that, don't we? As just a part of our life. But Jesus is calling us to something so much better, so much grander, so much richer, so much deeper. And this gospel account, this story that Matthew is telling us of what happened when God showed up in human flesh to be both God with us and to be our king, to be our savior, our deliverer, and our ruler, our king, and the way that the people that recognized Jesus for who he was said, I, I'm done with the old life. I want to be with him. I want to commit all to him because I see him for who he is. So we looked at passages like Matthew chapter 4. We talked about Peter and Andrew and James and John and how they were fishermen and they were doing what fishermen do. They were casting their nets and mending their nets and fishing with their dad and doing the fisherman thing. But when Jesus showed up, and they saw him for who he was. It says that they immediately left their nets and followed him. And so we've been asking ourselves this past few weeks, what are my nets? What is the usual, typical, everyday kind of business as usual life that I need to leave behind in order to follow Jesus? And then we talked about the fact that there are no such thing as, there is no such thing as a part-time disciple. That the discipleship isn't a compartment in our life. It's not a part of our life. We can't have one foot on the dock and one foot in the boat. We've got to decide. Am I going to stay here and just keep living life as normal? Or am I going to put both feet in the boat and be all in? Totally, 100% committed to Jesus. And then last week we took a really challenging turn when we talked about the fact that a disciple must embrace martyrdom, right? That a disciple must, as Jesus put it, take up their cross and follow him. A disciple must say, I am with Jesus even if it costs me my life. I would rather die than recant my testimony that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. And I'm willing to take up my cross. I'm willing to embrace my instrument of execution, because that's what a cross is. I'm willing to embrace my instrument of execution 
and embrace martyrdom if that's what it takes, if that's how it ends, I'm willing to do that and anything else I need to sacrifice along the way because I'm with Jesus. Off with the old, on with the new. But this week, we've talked so much about what it costs to follow Jesus, right? I mean, these have been pretty heavy lessons. This is what it costs to follow Jesus. But let's talk about why it's worth it. Because we don't do anything that's not worth it, right? I was driving to worship this morning, and I passed a guy, and he was working really hard. He was running out there jogging, and I thought, man, I really need to do that. And then I thought about how much I really don't want to do that. And I said, never mind, I'm not going to do that. Um, but, but I don't know whether he wants to be out there or not. But, but he's doing it. Why? Because he thinks it's worth it. He thinks whatever it is that he's going to attain, good health or he's going to look good or whatever it is that he's trying to attain, he's saying it's worth it. Anytime you do something hard, you give up something that you want, you delay gratification, you do things that you really don't really want to do, things that are difficult and challenging to do, you only do it because it's worth it. So let me ask you, why is it worth it? Why is it worth it to follow Jesus? Because, again, I, I mean, I could convince anybody to get wet in the baptism, in a baptistry, right? I mean, we could convince anybody, hey, all you got to do is get baptized and you get to go to heaven. But that's not what Jesus was trying to convince people to do. Be baptized, yes, of course. In fact, he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. But he wasn't out just trying to convince people to get into the water, He was trying to convince people to take up their cross and follow him. Why is it worth it then? Why is it worth it? Why is it worth it to leave your nets behind and to become a full-time disciple of Jesus and say, I'm all in, and even if it costs me my life, even if I have to die, I would rather die than recant my testimony that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Why is that worth it? Why is it worth it to do that? And we need reminders about that as Christians, don't we? Because sometimes it gets hard, doesn't it? To go out there in the world and the world is trying to to convince us to just keep fishing. Just keep doing life as normal. Just keep casting your nets and keep mending your nets and just live your life like everybody else. Just keep on in the rat race doing what everybody else is doing. The world tries to convince us of that and we need a constant reminder it's worth it. It's worth it, church. It's worth it to leave your nets. It's worth it to become a full-time disciple of Jesus. From, from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, everything you do, you do because you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Even, even if it costs us, even if it costs us time and money and energy, even if it costs us our life, it's worth it. And Jesus taught us it's worth it to give this up. It's worth it to take up your cross. It's worth it. To follow me. So let's, let's think about what it was like for a first century Jew to be living at this time. I mean, if you saw Jesus for who he was, then you knew the guy that we've been waiting for, the Messiah, he's here. I mean, our people have been waiting for him to show up for hundreds of years. The son of David, the son of Abraham, he's here. He's here to deliver us. He's here to save us. And if you lived at that time, you would think to yourself, of all the times that have ever been, this is the time to be alive, right? I mean, Jesus is here. The Savior is here. God in the flesh is here. And and of all the times that have ever been the time of Abraham and the times of Isaac and Jacob and David and Moses, all of those things, those pale in comparison to the time in which we live. If you were standing there as Peter, Andrew, James, or John, 
you would say, this is the time to be alive. And then Jesus says something weird, just totally weird. If that's what you're thinking, you're thinking, this is the time to be alive. Jesus says, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be killed. I'm going to die. And, and, and Peter's thinking, wait, no, 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 you got the story wrong, Jesus. You can't, you can't die. This isn't the time to die. This is the time to live. This is the time to reign. This is the time to preserve your life, not give up your life. He says, no, that'll never happen to you. And Jesus says, what? Get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like a man. You're not looking at this like God. Because the road to the kingdom that I'm setting up, the road to the reign and the rule that I'm coming into, the road to this new world that I'm ushering in, this road to the new era and the new age, is the way of the cross. You've got to change the way you think about things. You have to change the way you think about life. Look at chapter 16 and verse 24 of Matthew. So not only does he say, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die and then I'm going to be raised and Peter says, no, no, that won't ever happen and Jesus rebukes him and then he goes on to say, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And like we've been talking about, we've, we've taken that, take up your cross and follow me, and we made it kind of a metaphor and say, yeah, you got to do hard stuff for Jesus. I mean, that's true to a certain extent, but I mean, if you were standing there, you knew exactly what that meant. You'd probably walk down a, a Roman road, and you'd seen criminals that the Romans had taken, nailed their hands and their feet to pieces of wood and lifted them up for the world to see so that Rome could say, you see, that's what we do with people that don't do things our way. That's what we do with rabble-rousers. That's what we do with people that think they've got a better idea. We nail them to a piece of wood, and we leave them hanging there as an example for all to see. And you knew what that meant when Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, not only do you have to accept the fact that I'm going to be crucified, But you have to accept the fact that you're going to be crucified. You have to go ahead and accept that and take up your cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will, what? Lose it. Whoever will save his life, whoever will preserve his life, whoever will hold on to his life. And again, you're thinking, if you're one of those disciples... And you're seeing the Messiah, and you're thinking, I'm alive in the age of the Messiah. This is the best age to be alive in. I can't believe that I'm living to see this. And he says, if you hold on to that, if you try to save your life, if you try to preserve your life, you will, what? Lose it. You'll end up losing the very thing that you hope to hold on to, the very thing that you hope to gain. And then he says, but... Whoever loses his life, what's the other word for that? Lose your life. Die, right? So whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see? He says, I, I know, I know you, you, you want to hold on to this life, and I know you think that, that, that this is the best time to be alive, but I'm telling you, now is not the time to be alive necessarily. Now is the time to let go of your life. Lose your life for my sake. And if you are willing to do that, if you're willing to lose your life for my sake, if you're willing to take up your cross and follow me, then I'm telling you, you will find life. Now, 
That ought to be a sign right there. We're talking about two different kinds of life, aren't we? Two different lives. That, that if you're willing to give up this life, if you're willing to sacrifice this life, if you're willing to let go of this life, if you're willing to put this life on the line, if you're willing to risk this life, then I'm telling you, you will find another life, a better life, the life you're actually looking for, the life you're actually longing for, the life that you want to live, you're disciples of mine. You want to live under the reign of the Messiah. You want to live in the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, in order to have that life, you've got to give up the life in this age. I'm telling you, you've got to put this life on the line. I'm telling you, you've got to go ahead and take up your cross and follow me. Because if you, if you insist on preserving this life, and that's the way men tend to think, isn't it? I want to preserve my life. I want to get some armies around me and get some swords and get some shields and we'll amass a great army and we'll protect and preserve our lives. And Jesus says, no. If you think like that, and if you insist that this is the way the kingdom of God is going to come, then you will actually end up losing the very life that you're trying to preserve. Look at verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his, some translate, most translations say soul, the word there is actually suke, which is the same word he used in the last verse, so we're still talking about life, but we're talking about two different kinds of life, right? What will it profit you if you gain the whole world, if you have everything and you amass all kinds of wealth and you have a big army and you've got everything in the whole world and you forfeit the very life you were hoping to have, what did you gain? What did you profit? Nothing. Or he goes on to ask, he says, or what shall a man give in return for his life? If you forfeit this life because you're so caught up in the current life that you forfeit the life to come, what would you give to give that, get that back? You'd give anything, right? You'd give everything to have that life. And Jesus says, good, then give that now. Give that now. Be willing to sacrifice and put on the line everything in this life. Lose your life and you'll find it. But if you insist on preserving your life, if you insist on amassing great wealth, if you insist on being obsessed with this current life, then you will lose the life to come. And I don't know that there could be more relevant teaching for 21st century Christian Americans, right? Because we have a lot, and we get very heavily invested in this life, don't we? We're invested in the clothes of this life and we're invested in the food of this life and the pleasures of this life and the politics of this life. And Jesus says, listen, your obsession with this life is going to cost you your life. Isn't that what he said in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, stop, stop worrying about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. That's what pagans chase after. But I'm telling you that if you stop being obsessed with this life, if you're willing to put this life on the line, if you're willing to lose this life, then I'm telling you that in me, you will find life, a better life, the real life, the one you're actually seeking for. And if you lose that, if you forfeit that, what would you give to have that back? 
Now's your opportunity to make the choice. Do you want this life or do you want the life to come? Okay, keep reading with me. Verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. That word repay, I mean, just kind of in this context, Jesus is going to come back and the glory and angels and he's going to repay. I mean, I kind of read that kind of negative, don't you? And you think, oh, he's coming back to pay us back, you know? And it shouldn't be that way. Not for disciples of Jesus. In this context, he's saying, Jesus, the Son of Man, him, I'll return in glory with angels and I will reward you for what? For faith in me for trusting me, for believing me, for following me, for taking up your cross, for the giving of your life, for saying, I'm willing to put this life on the line. I'm willing to sacrifice this life. And I'm telling you that when I come back, you will be rewarded. You you see, we, we don't have anything to be afraid of in judgment if we're following Jesus. Isn't that what Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 1? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to fear Jesus coming back? We should long for Jesus coming back because we know that when he comes back, those that are following Jesus will be rewarded for their their faith, their trust, their willingness to take both feet off the dock and put them in the boat, their willingness to say, I'm all in. I trust him. I believe him. I'm willing to give him my life. I'm willing to take up my cross. I'm willing to follow him. I'm willing to put it all on the line. I'm willing to become a full-time follower of Jesus. And it's going to change the way I go to work and it's going to change the way I I parent my children. It's going to change my marriage. It's going to change the way I do my finances. It's going to change my fear. It's going to change everything because I really, truly, with every fiber of my being, believe that he is the Messiah and that he gives life to those who are willing to lose their life for his sake. Now, he says... Verse 28, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Eleven of the twelve apostles, the other being Judas, right, would live to see Jesus not only crucified and buried, but raised from the dead. And the last thing he says to them in in Matthew's gospel account is what? That all authority, where? In heaven and where? On earth has been given to him, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them, teaching them everything I've commanded and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. They saw Jesus come in to his kingdom. His kingdom has begun. He's taken his seat on his glorious throne. He is king and the king will return and the king will reward. And you say, Why is it worth it? Why is it worth it for me to leave my nets? Why is it worth it for me to take up my cross? Why is it worth it for me to follow him? Why is it worth it not to live like my neighbors or live like my family? But to live like this life really is of fairly little value. Why is it worth it? Because Jesus says, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it, right? So we're willing to take this life and leverage it in light of the life to come. You know, I think about Jesus' parable about the talents. you remember? 
And he gave one five, and he gave one two, and he gave one one. And that one, that one servant that had the one talent, what did he do with it? He was afraid, and he held on to it. He says, my master's coming back. i got to take care of this. i got to hide it. i got to bury it. I can't lose it. And the master comes back and said, you wicked, lazy servant. You should have taken that and risked it. You should have leveraged it because you knew I was coming back. What are we doing? Do we care so much about the things of our life that we're actually forfeiting our life? Are we so concerned about preserving the things of this life that we're sacrificing the life to come? Or do we realize that it's worth it? It's worth it to risk this life. It's, it's worth it to put this life on the line. It's, willing to, it's worth it to even give up this life in order to do the will of God. I told last service about a lady that I met one time. Her name was Roberta. Roberta was a sweet, wonderful woman. I worked at a congregation in Arkansas that supported Roberta's work in Haiti. And Roberta was an American that married a Haitian man, and, and then she moved to Haiti and moved down there to take care of kids and to feed them and to clothe them, to teach them about Jesus. Eventually, I think her husband left her, but she stayed there. She gave up life here and went there and lived in one of the poorest countries in the world to take care of children. And eventually someone that didn't like the work that she was doing had her murdered. And Jesus tells us, it's worth it. It's worth it. It was worth it for her. It's worth it for you to risk your life, to sacrifice things, to sacrifice all that we are because this life belongs to Jesus. And he promises when he returns, he will reward those who follow him. Let's keep reading. Look at chapter 19. Now, in the context that we've got this rich young man, and I'm so like this guy, and you're so like this guy, right? I mean, he's got a lot of stuff. He's very religious. He goes to Jesus, and he says, I want to inherit eternal life. What do I need to do? Jesus says, keep the commandments. He says, oh, no, no problem. I got that. I've been doing that since I was a kid. I got that. Anything else? Look at what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 21. If you would be perfect, go sell all that you possess or sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Do you see the contrast between people like Peter who when they saw Jesus for who he was, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And the people like this rich young man who said, I love my nets too much. I'd rather hang on to them. I love my stuff too much. I can't let go. I love my life too much. I won't put it on the line. Verse 23, and Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That's tough, isn't it? And it's relevant for us, isn't it? Because I'm a rich person, and you're probably a rich person. Most people in our country are rich people. And Jesus says it's hard for rich people like us to get into the kingdom, to come into the kingdom. Why? Because the more invested you are in this life, the harder it is to put it on the line. 
The more invested you are in this current age, the more you are invested in the life of this age, the more difficult and challenging it is to put it on the line, to take up our cross and follow him in light of the life to come. And of course, his disciples heard this and they're greatly astonished. And they said, then who, could, who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's not impossible, but it's hard. It's hard when we are so invested in the life of this age to say, I'm going to take everything I am and everything I have. I'm going to take even my own life and I'm going to put it on the line. I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to sacrifice it all. I'm going to give it all to the Lord. All to Jesus, I surrender. Verse 27, then Peter said in reply, see, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Sometimes I think we're too hard on Peter. That, that's a good question, isn't it? Why is it worth it? Why is it worth it for us to have left everything and followed you? And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, or that is, the regeneration, and I think the regeneration, I think the new world started to break in as soon as, as soon as the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus began his rule and his reign over the earth. In the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's what the apostles did, isn't it? They went out into Israel and they judged them. They brought the judgment of God to them. And they said, listen, it's all going to come down to this. It's not going to come down to whether you're circumcised or not, or whether you keep the Sabbath or not, or what kind of meat you eat or don't meat eat. It's going to come down to this. Will you follow? Will you bow your knee to the king of kings? Will you become a disciple of Jesus? If you will, you could be part of the kingdom of heaven. And if you won't, you'll be cast out. And that judgment has gone out to the whole world, hasn't it? And that's what it comes down to. Are you so in love with this life that you're going to say no to the gospel invitation? Or are you willing to take up your cross and follow Jesus? Verse 29, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold. That's good news, isn't it? Jesus says, it's more than worth it. And we need to be reminded of that, don't we? It's more than worth it, church. It's more than worth it to go out and live as a disciple of Jesus on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It's more than worth it. It's more than worth it to put it on the line. It's more than worth it to make sacrifices. It's more than worth it to walk away from your nets. It's more than worth it to take up your cross and follow him. And he says, and they will inherit eternal life. I want us to think about that word eternal for just a second. The Greek word is ionion, ionion. We translate that eternal, and we have a tendency to think of that as without end. Now, there's a sense in which our life, when Jesus returns, will not end. We'll receive a new body that is imperishable and immortal. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 says. But the word ionion, eternal, doesn't necessarily mean without end. It means for the age. A life for the age. See what Jesus is saying? He's saying that for all those who walk away from their nets, who take up their cross, who are willing to put their life on the line for his sake, will inherit a life for the age to come, a life 
for the age. But in order to do that, you've got to give up your life. You have to look at this life of this age and say, this life is valuable so far as I leverage it and risk it and put it on the line to follow the King of kings and the, Lords of, the Lord of lords. I will take up my cross and follow him. And so here's what I want us to leave with, with the thought that Jesus gave to his disciples. Whoever loses his life for Christ's sake will find it. It was just as true then as it is now. It's just as relevant then as it is now. It's just as difficult then as it is now. They thought, this is the time to be alive. And Jesus says, no, this is the time to take up your cross. We look around at the world we live in and we say, man, this is the best time it's ever been. I mean, we've got awesome cars and awesome houses and we've got lots of money and cool technology and medicine is great. And we look around and we say, this is the time to live. And Jesus says, no, this is the time to take up your cross and follow me. Are we so in love with and obsessed with the life of this age that we're giving up the life of the age to come? Or are we willing to lose our life in order to find it in Jesus? Are we willing to lose our life for his sake? And only then will we find it. That's what we're committing to when we're baptized, isn't it? And maybe there's somebody here that hasn't made that commitment. And I want to say to you, if you're willing to die to the life of this age and be buried with Jesus in baptism and raised up to walk in this new life, that this new age, that this new world, that this regeneration has already begun. If you're willing to be raised up to live and walk in that way, putting your life on the line, then I want to tell you it's worth it. It's worth it. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. And maybe you've made that commitment already, but you've just kind of wandered away or gotten distracted or gotten discouraged. We all get that way, don't we? We're in this together, and we need to encourage each other and remind each other, it's worth it, church. If you lose your life for his sake, you will find it. If we can help you this morning, if you're ready to be baptized into Jesus, or you just need prayers or encouragement, there's a room in the back, my office. Our shepherds would love to meet with you and pray with you. Or right now, as we stand and sing this song, you can come forward.